Good morning, ladies. How's everybody doing? Everybody was running a little behind this morning. Was it a rough start to Friday? Hey, we've got a couple of announcements and then we're going to get started and talk about that lovely subject of sex. I'm so glad the doors are still open while I announce that. We're really glad you're here. Seated around you are some fun faces, some that you know and some that you don't. So we hope you have an opportunity to meet each other and talk about what your families look like and where your hearts are this morning. A um, couple of things you're going to want to know. One, we have our serve where you are, hands and feet. Hey, girls, this month we separated the hands and feet handout table. They have their own table over here. It's on the right as you walk out, on the left as you walk in. And they um, made it so easy to do your service project this month. So there is um, some supplies that you need and a little devotional. But look, they printed like the one thing that you would need to actually go and do they did for you. And so now you just gather some eggs and go have fun with your kiddos. Right? So this is a really fun service project, an easy one, and something your kids can get into. My kids love to do drive-bys and chuck 12 eggs out in somebody's yard and try not to get caught. But there's a little bit more of a spiritual um, lesson there. So go and do that with your family. Also, Dad U, Wes Butler announced Dad U last month, and they're doing it again coming up. This um, time it's going to be March 6th, and you can register at watermark.org slash Dad U. So get your hubbies to go and check that out. And our next event is April 6th. We are getting scary close to the end of the school year, y'all. I mean, we're talking about the April event, which means we only have two more events before we hit summer. So April 6th, you're not going to want to miss that. It's going to be on um, discipline. That's the one that everybody loves to hear. It's called Purposeful Pruning. And just how, since we have our harvest theme this um, whole school year, we're just talking about how we need to prune some things back. And it's going to be Elizabeth Tamlin and Amy Holum are tackling that together, and you are not going to want to miss it. So again, that's April 6th. And I think that's all the announcements I have for you guys. We are going to have the opportunity. So chatty this morning. I know. Shh. I think when I substitute teach, we do mac and cheese. Y'all want to do that? Where I say mac and cheese and y'all yell back, everybody freeze? No? I mean, it's kind of cute. Uh, anyhow, this month we um, are getting to hear on um, kind of two separate topics, and I think you're going to be really pleased with what we have for you this morning. But our first speaker is Pam McGee, and she is a sweet, sweet friend of mine, and also our husbands are cohorts in the marriage department, and so um, we're going to enjoy getting to hear from her and the wisdom that she shares, and I already got a little teaser, and you're in for a great treat. So Pam, come on up. Come on. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all of the things and the bad things that make me. Let's talk about sex. Let's talk about sex. Let's talk about sex. Thank you, Holly. All right. Let's see. What do I do? Hang on, ladies. Sorry. 
Oh, is that mic on still? Thank you. We got it? All right. Oh, I'm out of breath for my walk-up music. All right, we good? All right, good morning. Good morning. Um, huh. Yeah, my name's Pam McGee. Thank you, Allison, for the intro. And do we need to go handheld? I don't know. It's the McGee audio curse. Yeah. Yep, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Good morning. We're giving everybody a chance to get those good snacks and get settled in. Okay, that's better? I think it's better. All right. If we have any trouble, we'll, we'll go to that one. Awesome. Well, good morning. Good morning, ladies. Yep. My name's Pam McGee, and um, just a little bit about me. So I have been married. John and I have been married for almost 23 years. Um, we have four kids, so we have had sex at least four times. Um, so we're experts. Um, but th- so that's them. Dawson is 18. He's a senior. Maddie in the blue is 16. She's a junior. Hudson is 14, 8th grader, and Emmy is 12. She's a 7th grader. And that's us. We have a lot, a lot of fun together. Um, Here's another picture of them that I recently found. And so um, they, the story on that is the older three got some Power Ranger pajamas, and Emmy um, didn't have any, but she went and got her giraffe pajamas, and she became the giraffe ranger. So even just last week, we were like, okay, the rangers are coming. And she said, never fear, giraffe ranger's here. She just remembers that. And so um, that's them in younger um, different time, um, but a lot of fun. And so we have had lots of years um, of doing this parenting thing. Um, And we've had some great victories, had some epic fails. Um, We've had lots of trial and error, lots of prayer, lots and lots of seeking counsel um, of other people that are just a little bit ahead of us. And so I just want to let you in on some ways um, that God um, taught me and John and shaped us as we talked to our kids about sex. And so I'll just let you peer into kind of some things that we've done in our house. And um, hopefully it'll be helpful for you. And I've just been praying for you ladies that you'll just leave um, with some hope and some plan um, on how to tackle this Um, scary but exciting topic with your kids. So um, let me pray super quick and um, then we'll jump into this and talk about sex. All right, thank you, Lord, um, for this day. Thank you for this place um, where we can come and we can talk about um, this topic. And we know it's not um, gross. It's not, um, yeah, it's not any of those things except good. Lord, we've messed it up. Um, Sin has messed it up, but you created it good. And so I just pray that we would leave just reminded um, of the good gift you gave us because of sex and that it's a privilege to um, talk about that with our kids. I pray these women would leave just encouraged, um, better equipped, and um, just ready to go out and love on their kids well. And so thank you for each and every one of them. We know that you are God that uniquely knows everyone in here and knows every hair on our head, knows exactly where we are, specifically in the area of sex. And I just pray that you would meet every one of these women um, right where they are. And so thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's jump in. Let's talk about sex, baby. Um, All right, so our first letter, just as I was thinking about a way that might be helpful for us to remember it, is just to do an acrostic. And so S um, in sex is um, it starts with you. Um, So it starts with you. um, And really, we could say it starts with you. It starts with you and God. And so um, 
The way that you and I train ourselves and remind ourselves to think about sex biblically is the way it's going to be communicated to our kids. And so let's just remind ourselves, or if you haven't heard this, let me just tell you, this is God's design for sex. So first of all, we know um, that our bodies are good. So we look back to Genesis 1, and we know there's a creation account. Everything God made was good. Then in Genesis 1.31, he created male and female and they were very good. And so whatever um, I think about when I look in the mirror, whatever you think about when you look in the mirror, our bodies are good. We know in Psalm that David talks about that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We know that full well. And so God made our bodies to be good. The second thing is we know that sex is good. So Genesis 2, Adam and Eve are standing there. They're naked. They look at each other. They kind of figure this whole sex thing out. God says, be fruitful and multiply. So we know that sex is for good. God designed it for that. And then the next step, that sex is a gift to be enjoyed. And so Song of Solomon, I love um, chapter five, verse one. He says, eat lovers, drink your fill. So God's saying, don't just do this to make babies. That is part of it, but enjoy it. This is something I created for a man and woman in a covenant marriage to enjoy. Um, and it's a good thing. And so we all know we've given gifts to our kids, to our husbands, to our friends, and to watch them enjoy the gift we've given them brings such joy to us. And that's the way God is when he looks and he sees his son and his daughter in marriage enjoying sex he delights in that. And so just to remember that biblical foundation um, that our bodies are good, sex is good, and it's a gift to be enjoyed. Um, and so if you see sex as gross or there's hurt in this area, and I know there is um, with just the number of women in here, then it will affect the way you relate to your kids in this topic. And so we would say if nothing else, as we've been praying for you, when you leave today, if this is you, just to get help in this area, just to ask other wise women um, if there is um, any sexual abuse, you've been a part of an abortion, um, infertility, um, marriage struggling in this area, um, any kind of hurts or habits, um, addictions, like Watermark is fully equipped and we would love to come alongside you and help you. Um, in fact, in our recovery, and all those um, ministries are listed on your resources. There's a ministry for every single one of those things. And um, in fact, just so you know, about 50% of people in our recovery ministries here at Watermark are not members. It is open to the community. Our church is here to serve the community, whether you're a member or not. So we would just point you to those resources if there's hurt um, to get help there. Um, and then also just, I know also in here, if you're a single mom or you've been divorced and you go, okay, this is just going to be this topic for a mom and dad to sit down and talk to their kids about sex. That's not it. God designed you as their mom to be faithful in this area. And just to know and remind you, you're not on plan B because it didn't work out with this fairy tale exactly what you thought. God wants your best. He wants your kids best. And so you just, wherever you are, just know God wants your best for you and God wants the best for his kids that you're discipling. And so your job as their mom, whatever the situation looks like, is to teach them this biblical foundation for sex and then to just answer their questions and talk about that as it comes. Um, and so just a couple more thoughts as we talk about the foundation. 2 Peter 1.3 um, is just so true. God has given us, according to his divine power, everything we need for life and godliness. Everything we need. Um, we have everything we need to talk to our kids about all the dangers and the warnings of sex and all the good things about sex. And so just remember, God has given us everything we need in his word for life and godliness. So his word and the wisdom there is the foundation for this. And so I definitely wanted to start with that. So it starts with you and your biblical view of sex. All right, next, E. Um, well, we do have to have a plan. So the E is to execute your plan. 
And so we can't just like take this haphazard and as it comes, we're just going to answer these questions. Um, There's too much at stake. And so we've got to have a plan. So a few weeks ago, we asked our kids, hey, how do you feel like we've done so far? Just talking to you guys about sex and answering your questions. And um, one of them, um, Hudson, our um, really quick-witted, funny one, was he was like, oh, it was great. We had like a 10-minute conversation on the way to a camp out. Dad and I did that passport to purity thing weekend. But I know it was not awkward because we are the so, so unawkward. Like, it's all about us. He made it about the kids. And he said, we're not awkward at all. So it was great. Um, So that was a funny response from him. Maddie, my sweet older ones, she said, let me go think about it and I'll come back with some good feedback for you about how you did. And so our kids are so different in how they related to this. But I think what they would say at the end of the day is, I don't know that they can remember every single conversation, but they know that if they came to us, we would answer their questions. They knew that we would talk about this with them and that they could come to us with anything. And so that's where I want to start just to remind you, you are the authority on this topic. You want to be your kid's authority on this topic. So they're going to hear about it. They're going to see. They're going to hear things from friends and you want them to always think, I got to go home and ask my mom or dad because I know they will answer my question. I know they can find out the answer on this. And so you want to be the authority, excuse me, on this topic. A couple of practical things that have helped me is to have a catchphrase. Um, And so your kid's going to come up and ask you that question. You're going to be cooking dinner. They're going to catch you off guard. They're going to ask you where babies come from. And if you, everything inside you is freaking out. And if you can just say, have something that you say to get your breath. So I would say, I'm so glad you asked. And then we go into that. And so everything inside me is cringing, maybe freaking out. I got to get my breath. But they don't need to see that. They need to go see, hey, mom's so glad I asked her that question. I'm going to come to her next time I have a question. So whatever helps you with that. But I was um, learned that early on. And they would come to me and I would say, oh, okay, I'm so glad you asked. And would go into the answer. Um, and then another one is just by God's design. I would use that a lot. Um, one of the resources um, in there is Mary Flo Ridley kind of has been talking about this for decades with young women teaching preschool moms how to do this. And she talks about that. So just making sure they know everything you talk about is not your idea. It's by God's design. And so just talking about that in some way. So I'm so glad you asked. By God's design, you came from a seed. There you go, and they're back outside. Um, And so just answering their questions, sometimes, sometimes more questions come. Um, But just having some kind of a catchphrase and being ready. Um, And then in that, just keeping it conversational and keeping it light. You never want to be crass or rude, but it is kind of fun to have jokes with your kids. So Emmy, our 12-year-old, when she was little, she was our most verbal, probably the baby is, or maybe not, maybe it's one way or the other, but she was up and around reading the quickest. She was barely two, and she walked in. You know, the bathroom door will be closed, but kids don't care right? So um, walks in, sees a tampon, and she says, string cheese? (laughs) And um, I said, no, no, not string cheese. Very stern. And so, um, you know, a little while later, a few months later, she comes in, and I don't think I typically leave tampons laying around, but apparently there was another one on the counter. She goes, not string cheese. It's very serious. And so we laugh about that. Now, in fact, last week, we were talking about, she just, in the last couple of months, has started her period, and we were talking about camp this summer, and we were talking about that she's going to need to figure out tampons before she goes to camp this summer. And she just laughed, and she said, I know they say no food, but hopefully they'll let string cheese in. And I just thought that was so funny that we could just talk and laugh about that. And so you want to make it, I mean, that's the next point, you want to make it real conversational and just an everyday conversation with your kids, um, but you also want to have these milestone moments too. So it's both. It's, hey, mom and dad, quick question. They're back outside. Hey, have, you know, want to, can you explain something to me? And they're on to the next. Or it's a big weekend away where you kind of talk about every 
all these big things. So Passport to Purity is a resource that's on your sheet from Family Life, and that's kind of a weekend away. And so, you know, John took the boys kind of on their own. I took each of the girls, and that's the whole kind of weekend where you're talking about friendships and peer pressure and purity and dating, and you're kind of looking ahead to all that stuff. And so a couple of funny stories on that. Um, when John and Dawson went, it was eight, nine years ago, and so the scripture memory songs were kind of think 80s worship, pretty cheesy, and um, they're driving, and John was like, okay, deal. As long as we'll just memorize these scriptures we can turn the music off and so they learned those scriptures like lightning fast so that they could get out of that um but then they've updated it so now the um worship if if y'all have done it or are looking forward to doing that at some point they're doing seeds of worship and so the scripture memory songs are um, on point they're really good and um but when hudson and john went two or three years ago um they had CDs. They get up to their hotel that's kind of far away, and John went, oh, I do not have a CD drive in my computer. We don't have a boombox. So they listened to all the sessions in John's car in the hotel parking garage, <laughs> and then they would go in and talk about them. But, so make sure and have a plan. I think now they have like MP3 files, so you can listen to them wherever. Um, but they've kind of changed with the times, but that's a great resource just to put on your radar for the future. Um, and so again, that's, it's those big milestones. It's also just the daily conversations. Um, and so real practically, you want to be honest with them. Go ahead and just name the parts. When they're little and they ask you, what is this? Just tell them it's a penis. Tell them they've got a vagina. Those are breasts. Like they're not bad. They're private and we keep them covered um, and they're private, but they're not bad. That's the way God made you by God's design. Um, and then answer just what they ask. And so when they're four and they ask you, um, Um, hey, where did I come from? What they're not asking is for you to, oh, I've been waiting for you to ask. You know, dad got this great hotel room and I remember what I was wearing and I can hear the music. That's really not what they're asking. They're maybe just, hey, where did I come from? Oh, you came from a seed. Great, I'm back outside. Um, When they're older, maybe some other stuff with appropriate detail or never on the detail. Um, But just answer, answer just what they ask um, and not too much. Um, And so when they're little, when they're really little, um, God made you to love him. He made daddy and I to love each other. And a part of daddy and a part of mommy came together and made you. Boom. And then they're on to the next. And then as they get older, well, how did that part of daddy get in that part of mommy? So here's a real practical help. When you come to the dreaded actual explaining intercourse question, that's a big hurdle, I think. And maybe you're just getting like clammy thinking about it. Um, I think a script is really helpful, and so this came from one of the books that's in a resource, and I think we may have it, but basically, so your kid walks up, how did the actual seed get in your tummy, mommy? So, I'm so glad you asked. That's your response. By God's design, a husband and wife are married, and their bodies belong to each other, and they enjoy holding each other. When they lie closely, the husband can fit his penis inside the woman's vagina, and the semen flows into her, and their bodies feel good all over, and that's how babies are made. Boom. There you go. You're done. (laughs) That's it. But that script could just be really helpful. That's a big hurdle, right? So there you go. And their response is usually, oh my gosh, what? That's gross. That's awkward. Um, But you've got to tell them. So come on back. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Can y'all do that? Y'all can do that. Commit it to memory. You can do it. So, yeah, yeah, is everybody a little bit, is it hot in here? So, yeah. um, they are going to ask, they're going to find out what sex is somewhere 
You are the expert. You want to tell them. You want to give them that language. And so if that script is helpful, it's in one of those books back there. It's in the um, God's Design for Sex series, I think book two. Um, And then as they get older, obviously, the more they ask, the more you're going to introduce the idea of the warnings and the dangers that come with sex outside of God's intention. Um, And then even looking forward to marriage appropriately as they're a lot older, um, just the pleasure. It's not just about making babies. It's about the joy that comes when a husband and wife can intimately be together and you can share something that you don't share with anybody else in the world. And so just the joy of that as well as the pains um, and the dangers that can come with it. So you're just walking through that appropriately. And so we have a chart in your notes this is just a framework and so just know and don't don't jump on all that now you can look at it later all the resources are on there but this is really just a framework those ages may change a little bit you've got to be wise and discerning about your kids some kids need to wait till later I have a friend who she her daughter's 12 almost 13 they're just doing passport to purity now her second daughter she's going to probably go when she's 10 you know just like she's asking lots of questions and so you just be discerning pray talk to other women um just about what these look like. But we just wanted to give you kind of a basic framework chart of talking to your kids. And so a couple of things, you'll get varying responses from your kids. So you'll have the kid who doesn't want to hear any of it and they'll never ask a question and they'll say, this is too awkward and gross to handle. And so some ways to kind of handle that is uh, maybe kind of read a book with them. So number three, I think, in that series of God's Design for Sex, it actually has the kid read, um, and I'm sorry, I'm referring to resources here. And so those are in the back. You can look at them and also on your sheet. Um, But that actually has where the kid would read the question and the mom and dad would read the answer. And so if your kid can't look you face to face when you're talking about this, you can sit down and just read a book, you know. And, um, but at some point, it may just be, hey, Dawson, Maddie, like, I know this is awkward for you. It's not for me. This is a big enough deal that we're going to sit down and talk about this. So, hey, let's go get a fun dinner. And then tonight we're going to just talk about this. It's a big enough deal that I share with you the right way to look at this because the world's going to want to mess it up. And so um, just pushing that child. And then you have the child on the other extreme who at five is asking every question under the sun and wants to know everything. And that may be one of you guys. And I would just be discerning in that. And so I love this story in Corey Ten Boom's biography, The Hiding Place. And she's on a train with her dad. And um, they're about to get off the train. And she says, hey, dad, what's a sex sin? And he stops. And he says, hey, Corey, could you pick up that suitcase for me? And she said, no, I can't. It's too heavy. And he just said, that's the same way. It's too heavy for you right now, but if you'll trust me, just trust me. And so that's with the kids. And you may say, hey, I'm so glad you're asking. I will answer that question, but you just have to trust me that that's a little bit too heavy for you right now. And so just being discerning um, about just answering them appropriately according to their wisdom, according to their age, um, as they talk about stuff. Um, So, hey, how many of you guys think at some point your kid will be shown pornography We'll look at pornography. We'll experiment. Um, Yeah, yeah. If you're not raising your hand inside, you should be raising your hand. It's not if, it's when. And so just so you know, like the way you respond to your kid when they get caught or they come and share something with you the first time is going to set the trajectory for the way they'll come to you in the future. And so everything in you is freaking out, and appropriately so maybe, but just the way you meet them with grace, the way you meet them with mercy, appropriate consequences and boundaries when necessary, but the way you meet them when they come to you will determine how they're going to handle that in the future. And so I have a good friend, and her daughter, um, about a year ago when she was eight, um, she and her friend had seen, you know, 
movies and nothing any bad. I mean, Disney movies. And they had seen people kissing, and they were like, that looks cool. So they looked online about kissing. And then two eight-year-old girls just practiced kissing with each other. Um, and when she came and told her mom and dad, they didn't freak out. They said, we are so glad you told us. And my friend was just this week telling me about it, and she just cried as she just said, thank you, Lord, that I had, we had the grace to meet her with that because that kind of just set the course for how she was going to talk to us. And she will ask us anything. She'll confess anything now because she knows that we love her, that, again, boundaries and consequences may be in place, but we love her. Nothing we could do would change that and that we're going to meet her with grace. And really that comes back to the foundation of anything that we could do God already knows. We've already been found out, and he meets us, with, meets us with mercy and grace. So just to remind ourselves of that and just kind of have that same attitude toward our kids. And so um, just being ready, being ready. And so these conversations and these situations are coming. Um, you can either meet them with dread or excitement or an appropriate level of both. Um, but just you've got to teach them to your kids. And so having a plan is really helpful. All right, and so the last... Um, the last letter in sex is X. And so you want to explain your boundaries. Um, so there are lots of them in this area. And so just kind of to be thinking about boundaries. Um, and so just a couple of verses. And i just love for you to get these down as you think about them. Um, Proverbs 4, 6, and 7 just talks about, Do not forsake wisdom. She will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it will cost you all you have, get understanding. So these are topics that you're going to need wisdom to proceed on. And just go to God's word. Go to God's people. Um, be, you know, just pray the Holy Spirit, like, Lord, just give me wisdom on this. Um, go to God's people, Proverbs 19.20, just talks about listening to advice and accepting instruction. So every step of the way from before kids till now, we're still doing this, asking people just a stage ahead of us just for counsel and guidance. Hey, what did you do? Not to compare, not to fall into that trap, but hey, what did you find worked? Hey, what did you do in this situation? Hey, my kid messed up here. Can you help me with this? And so seeking wise counsel. And, and then the last verse, 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. And so, you know, it stinks that we have to talk to our kids about pedophiles and predators, um, that we have to explain to them what homosexuality is. But we do, and that's the world we live in. And so instead of going into that with fear, instead we've got God's word, and we're going to go into this with power and love and a sound mind. And so just looking at it more as an opportunity to share this with our kids um, than the fear. And so just those verses, I've been meditating on those a lot the last few weeks, so hopefully that's helpful as we go into this real practical section. And so just practically, a couple of things on boundaries. Don't just blindly trust your kids because they're good kids. Um, My kids are good kids, and they've messed up. Um, Your kids are good kids, and they're curious, and they're sinful, and they're going to seek out this stuff because God made us to be sexual beings. In the right place, it's amazing. In the wrong place, it's not. And so, um, appropriately so, have boundaries. Don't be naive. Um, Obviously, as they're older, I've got one going to college next year. And hopefully we've done it all and then God's got him and he's going to have complete freedom. And so even now, our older two have more freedom on what they watch and we let point them to resources so they can check that out before they see movies and any of that stuff. Um, but just appropriately so, um, just being wise with your boundaries with your kids. Um, pornography, we've already talked about this a little bit. Talk about with your kids 
Not if, when this happens, if someone shows you this, if you accidentally stumble on this, if you seek this out and you're looking for it, here's how you respond. Hey, we'll always meet you with love. Hey, mom and dad are gonna love you no matter what. Hey, if you're somewhere and you don't feel comfortable, someone's showing you something, call us. We will always come get you. So just giving them some kind of a plan um, when these things happen. And again, um, just confirming you'll always love them. God will always love you. There's nothing we've done that will change that, but we've got to know these things because we've got to help you because there's dangers um, in this. Um, Just practically sleepovers. Um, People will ask about that. You're wondering about that. Um, Just be wise. There's no scripture that says sleepovers are good or bad, but just we would say be wise. Um, We did not do a lot of sleepovers with our kids growing up. We still don't. We we definitely do some, but we just didn't do a lot. Um, You guys probably can think back to things that happened at sleepovers that you wish hadn't happened. And so you just want to protect your kids from the possibility of, of those kind of things. Um, we, when the kids were little, we would go pick them up at 11 o'clock. Everybody else was sleeping over, and the McGee kid got picked up before midnight. Not always, and they didn't love it, but that's what happens sometimes. And so just being wise and discerning in that, I have a friend who she remembers in high school, her friend wanting to practice kissing, and these weren't little innocent eight-year-old girls. They were older, and um, that really kind of messed with her for a while. And so um, just being wise in that, again, not out of fear, but just out of wisdom. Um, something we've been careful about is having older siblings, especially brothers. So if our girls go spend the night somewhere, um, we've just not, if there's going to be big brothers around. Um, and then if gr- people are coming over to our house to stay with our girls, we've kind of tried to get our boys to go somewhere else. Again, there's exceptions. We have good family friends, and they, when they travel back in town and they have girls over, you know, they're, they're all there, but we're just wise. And we remind Hudson, you have to not run around in your boxers when other people are over and put on some clothes. Um, but just to be wise in those areas. And so that's just some practical things um, we did. Um, again, so predators, it stinks that we have to talk about that with our kids. Um, but we do. And so there's a great resource back there. I can't remember the name of the book, Allison. No Trespassing is a um, a great book um, just to give you some kind of framework around this. Um, And so just some thoughts, you know, just telling your kids whatever um, areas of their body that their clothes cover, that their swimsuit covers, like that is private and no one should be touching that, you know, and just help them know that. And so if they're in a situation and that book talks about if you get a uh uh-oh feeling in your tummy, trust it and get out of there. Go get some help. And so I thought that was really great, especially for little kids. So if you're in a situation, you got this uh uh-oh feeling, it's time to go get some help or get out of there. And so um, just to give them kind of some language for that and just to know that it's, and I forgot to look up the percentage, but it is really high, um, probably close to 70 or 80% of people that are sexually abused are by someone that they know. And so y'all probably have heard that, coaches, teachers, family. And so that just causes you to need to be really wise um, in this area. Um, babysitting, we were really careful with babysitting. I mean, we did leave our kids with babysitters. Lots of times we would kind of bathe them and get them ready for bed. Um, and then we'd go out. Um, and, you know, not always. There's exceptions to that. But just be wise. Like our boys um, actually didn't babysit for other people. There's a few times they would go with their sisters to babysit. Um, but they didn't, didn't always do that. And so that was a practical thing there that we were just careful with. Um, and then just the last thing on this as we talk about boundaries is masturbation. And so we definitely need to deal with that. The scripture does not specifically give a verse. Wouldn't it be nice if they just said this is in bounds or out of bounds? Um, but... Um, We do want to address it because it's a big deal. And so um, 
let's just say with the, with the exception of mutual masturbation in the presence of your spouse, it's almost always um, associated with selfish gratification. And we know in Galatians 5, um, the Bible talks about um, admonishing us to walk in the spirit and not to indulge the cravings of our flesh. So masturbation is often a sexual, um, selfish gratification. It's most of the time accompanied by lust or pornography. Um, and not only is it physically um, damaging, but it can be emotionally destructive. It can be addicting. And it can even become a substitute for real emotional intimacy in marriage. And so it's not something we can just brush under the table. Um, so we want to talk about it, again, appropriately with our kids. Um, but we don't want them to go into marriage sexually repressed. And so to answer it honestly, um, letting them know their penis and their vagina, and when something, when, it, when something touches that and it feels good, that's not bad. God designed that for you to enjoy with your husband or with your wife one day. So I have a friend, a good friend, and she... Um, she struggled with this a lot in her teenage and college years. And I asked her just last week, hey, what do you, and she would say, she would say, um, I knew something was off. I, it felt good, but I knew something was off, but I just didn't know what. And I said, hey, what do you wish would have happened differently? And she said, I just wish my mom would have just addressed it. And it would have been awkward, and it may have been hard for her, but I just wish she had addressed it. And said, hey, you're right, God designed you. That does feel good, but he designed it for something great. He designed it for you to enjoy with your husband one day and for him to enjoy with you. And so that's another one of those hurdles. And so talk to other women, um, seek wisdom on that. Um, recently um, at our women's event called Recharge, Callie Nixon just shared her story. This is part of her story. I would listen to that. It's on your resource sheet. Um, I will actually listen to it with Maddie, with our older daughter, and kind of talk through things. I won't probably listen to I won't listen to it yet with Emmy. And so you want to be wise. You don't want to put things in your kids' minds too early. Um, but um, just dealing with this and just reminding them there's nothing that you've done that's happened to you that God doesn't, that God can't love you. And that God doesn't know that and doesn't love you. And so um, just talking about that with them. And so um, as you've figured out your boundaries and how you're going to explain them to your kids, um, you'll just need to go back to these scriptures. You'll need to go to wise counsel. Um, and then just encourage you to proceed out of love and a sound mind, not out of fear. Um, so now I want you guys to close your eyes just for a second. All right. And um, just picture yourself 20, 20 years from now. And so um, you're sitting there, and you've lost that last five pounds, finally. Um, you've got a great new dress. Um, you are, got your, went, went tanning, maybe just a spray tan. Um, but you are, got some tan going on. You're looking really good. You feel really good. Um, you are sitting at the wedding of your son or daughter. And um, you are giving your daughter to some young man, or some young man is giving or some other families giving their daughter to your son. So think about that. How do you hope their family handled this? Don't you wish they'd taught them God's foundation and God's plan? Don't you wish they'd extended grace when they messed up? Don't you wish they'd been bold and pushed through those awkward conversations? Yeah, you want your son or daughter's spouse to walk up and say, thank you. Man, thank you. Thank you. I know it was hard. I know it may have been awkward, but thank you for teaching my husband or my wife about this. You did an amazing job. So that's, that's the vision you want. Yeah. So just to wrap up, um, so sex. S, you want to start with you? Um, it's God's plan. Just remind yourself of the correct view of sex in Scripture um, and God's plan. And then if there's hurt in this area, please get help. 
talk to your table leader, talk to someone, look at those resources, get help in this area. If nothing else, and you leave just with some hope um, for the help, the hurt that you have, um, that would be a victory today. And so just go there. Um, Execute a plan. And so you've got lots of ideas. And so this is my little side side bit that I always promise John I'll tell everybody. Um, I used to go to these when I was, when my kids were little and I would come home with 20 things we had to do right then. And my husband got to the point where he was like, can I just pay you not to go to the nest this week? I'm so beat down. Um, So don't go home and beat down your husband or yourself with everything you have to do. Um, You're here today. You got it today and um, everybody's life looks different and you made it here and you're investing in your kids by being here. And so go home with one or two things you're going to implement, one or two um, questions you're going to ask, one or two things you're going to talk to your husband about, um, and just leave with a couple of things um, with your plan. Um, And then last thing, explain your boundaries. As you start thinking ahead about these boundaries, if your kids are little bitty and you're way down the line before you talk about masturbation, or if you're right in the middle of it and you're like, I need to have a conversation today, um, just seek God's word, seek wise counsel, and proceed not out of fear, but out of love. Um, And so as much as we love our kids and we want God's best for them, especially in the area of sex, God loves them and wants wants the best even more. Um, And so it's a good thing. Sex is a good thing created by God. And we get the privilege to talk to our kids about it. So look at it as that. It's a privilege. Um, So just be faithful. Um, Sometimes we're not perfectly faithful in this, but we serve a God who is perfectly faithful and loves our kids like crazy, just like we do. So thank you so much. So we're going to the table, sorry, and next, we're going to the table and have a little discussion. So what, um, what's your view of sex and how are you communicating that? So just think about it or if you want to share, um, hey, what's, your, what's my view of sex? How am I communicating that to my kids? Has there been some hurt? Has there been some things that's affecting that? Or is it going pretty good and I just need to make sure I understand how to communicate that to my kids? And then what are some next steps for executing your plan? What things would be helpful? What things do you think you want to implement? Again, just leave with a couple of things. Don't be overwhelmed, but just um, yeah, talk about that with your table and text in your questions. There's the text number, and um, we'll be back in a few minutes with our next speaker. All right, thank you all. Hey, ladies. Hi. <laughs> I'm Sue Bowl, and I'm down here. So sorry we don't have a ramp to get me up on the stage, but um, instead of legs, I now have wheels. So I'm one of the last people to get polio before the vaccine was developed and my body's been going downhill and I'm not able to walk as of the last four, five, six months. So I'm so grateful God's given me a scooter, but I'm down on the floor with y'all today. So um, I have the privilege of sharing with you about raising gender healthy kids. And this comes out of almost 20 years of serving with Living Hope Ministries, which is a ministry in the Dallas-Fort Worth area that helps people deal with unwanted homosexuality. And I have been privileged to watch Jesus Christ change lives like crazy and free people from the lies that they believe about gender identity and masculinity and femininity. And I've learned so much along the way. 
And what I am, ex I'm incredibly excited to share with you the slides that are coming up here because it's something God showed me a number of years ago about the nature of masculinity and the nature of femininity. And because I've had the opportunity to share this with the nest before, and of course, as you know, Watermark puts every little thing online. Um, a number of people have, have listened to this lecture, which was much longer because uh, it, it wasn't a TED Talk. Um, and it turns out to be a game changer for a lot of people. And that is my prayer, that, that it'll really help you zero in on how to even be a better mom. If I say the words gender spectrum to you, you probably think of a single spectrum with masculinity on one end and femininity on the other. That's why sometimes you'll hear people encouraging men to get in touch with their feminine side. I don't think that's the way it works. I believe that we should just strike that idea of a single masculinity, femininity spectrum because in Genesis 1, God says he made them male and female. There's a huge difference between male and female. And what I believe God showed me is that there is a separate masculinity spectrum and a, a femininity spectrum. And he is the one that determines where on that spectrum every baby will be born. They come out of the womb at a point on the spectrum. Now, let's look first at the masculinity spectrum. <clears throat> you, may, you see some pictures up there. Um, on the one end are rough and tumble boys. Off, often we'll call them all-American boys or even all-boy but that's not the reality because it doesn't matter where a boy is on the masculinity spectrum. He is all boy. God made him to be a boy. He, God made him to be masculine. Here's the key. There are different kinds of masculinity. On the rough and tumble side, I love that top picture of a little boy. Yes, that is a frog coming out of his mouth. Uh, I am a boy mom. My, my two sons are now in their mid-30s, and I'll just say that I am qualified to speak to mom's groups because I raised them to adulthood without killing either one of them. <laughs> so I do understand this, this difference about boys. On the bottom picture for the rough and tumbles, you've got boys in the backyard with sticks. That's because if you try to take weapons away, they will go get the ones that God made and that grows on trees. <laughs> They're just going to be that way. They're going to be naturally aggressive and combative and competitive, and that's just the way God makes those kinds of boys. On the other end of the spectrum are your um, sensitive, creative, artistic ones. These are the musically gifted the ones that end up in the performing arts. And so um, at the top, on the sensitive end of the spectrum, you see a little boy in his sister's skirt. This doesn't mean he's a cross-dresser. It doesn't mean he's transgender. It doesn't mean he's gay. What it means is he thinks that most boy clothes are boring because, you know, they're brown or they're navy or they're black or they're gray. 
And why would you want to stick with that when there are such cooler clothes available out there? So often, sometimes you'll see a little boy who's the sensitive, artistic, creative kind. He'll put on his mommy's or his sister's skirt and then go twirling, just like um, with some of the toys that, that they make that, that spin and twirl because he loves the patterns and he loves the color and he loves the pizzazz of it. Doesn't make him a little gay boy. What it means is that um, God gave him a sensitivity for color and pattern and that sort of thing. You'll also see a picture of boys at a ballet bar. Um, often they're, they're just gifted that way. I know of one little boy who does not struggle with gender identity. His whole family has said from the time he was born, why walk if you can dance? He just dances from point A to point B. God made him to be a dancer. Several years ago, when my husband and I were in Belarus in the former Soviet Union, I was privileged to get to see a Russian ballet in the front row. Nobody does it better than the Russians. Belarus is between Russia and Poland. And I got to see up close and personal how incredibly athletic and strong male ballet dancers have to be to pick up ballerinas and make it look like they weigh nothing at all. So this idea that there's something wrong with male ballet dancers, we've got to get rid of that idea because they have to be every bit as strong and athletic as a linebacker. But we've got this idea in our head that, oh, there's something wrong with those that are attracted to dance. And there isn't anything wrong with them. God just gave them that kind of gifting. We need those artistic, creative, sensitive ones. Someone pointed out that if all architects were the rough and tumble men on the other end of the spectrum, we would all buildings would look like warehouses. And I get that. I am part of Watermark Plano. We worship in a box. It's just a great big warehouse, and it's the artistic, creative, sensitive ones that add beauty. Those are the ones, when you look around this place, you go, oh, oh, that's really cool. And it's because somebody who has gifts of, um, of beauty and aesthetics and sensitivity. By the way, um, we've been studying 2 Samuel in women's Bible study this year, which is the story of David's reign. David was a rough and tumble guy because he was an amazing leader of men. Um, he made a great king. He was definitely attracted to women. There wasn't any issue about that. But he was also a sensitive, artistic, creative type. David took up the whole spectrum. And we have the book of Psalms to look at what an amazing singer and songwriter he was. David helps us understand how we can relate to our emotions and not be afraid of them, how to give vent to them to the glory of God. That's something that I have come to appreciate about the masculinity spectrum because I've seen changes happen in my own family. Some boys are born at a point on the spectrum and others just come into the world taking up more bandwidth on that spectrum. As they grow spiritually and emotionally, <clears throat> hopefully 
boys grow into men who start taking up more and more bandwidth on the masculinity spectrum because if I were to ask you, where do you put Jesus on this spectrum? Where would you find one spot where he goes? He doesn't. Jesus is the entire spectrum. He is the essence of every kind of masculinity there is. And I've watched that happen in my own family, in my husband as he's grown spiritually, in my, both of my sons as they've grown spiritually. And so I believe that what God does in us is he starts making us a fuller man or woman than we start out as, as we become more Christ-like. The thing is, this is so true in, with girls, which I'm going to get to in a minute as well, there are so many more rough-and-tumble boys and those who are kind of in the middle than the artistic, creative, sensitive ones. As a matter of fact, um, there's probably only 5 to 10% of boys that are the artistic, creative, sensitive ones. And whenever you're a minority, you get beaten up and judged and um, excoriated and ostracized by the majority. And so often, the boys who come into the world as the artistic, sensitive, creative ones, they get looked down on by the athletic rough and tumbles as if there was something wrong with them because they're just different. And you know, the number one rule of children is don't be different, don't stand out. And so often the, the rough and tumbles will look down their noses and they will bully the sensitive ones. And of course, if they're sensitive, um, they're going to cry more easily because their, their emotions are that much closer to the, to the, the surface. And at, actually at Living Hope over these 20 years, um, what we've seen is that every single guy, every single man, and we've had some teens who have come to the ministry, and it has been literally thousands, when they start learning about the masculinity spectrum, every single one of them is a sensitive soul. Now, some of them are athletic, and they, they have that rough and tumble part going on, but they all have the, sensitive, the sensitivity going on. And most of them feel other than. They feel different, that they don't belong in the world of men because they're not on the other end of the spectrum. And what I'm asking you to do is consider that God makes different flavors of masculinity and they're all God's good design. And we need to celebrate the kind of masculine that our boys are and, and tell them, you are just the way God made you. Particularly telling the sensitive ones, you are God's gift to our family, to the church, to the world. We need you. We need your gifts. Now, all of you have little kids or you wouldn't be here, unless it's the mentor moms, in which case you did have little kids at one point. And my guess is, even with the young ones, you know if you have a sensitive son, don't you? My, son, my husband, Ray, is the lead teacher in Orange One um, at Watermark Plano. He loves on two-year-olds every Sunday and is the best part of his life. And he tells me he can identify the sensitive ones in his, in his room because if somebody starts to cry, they'll just drop what they're doing and go over and pat him. You okay? You okay? It's going to be okay. Two years old. So let me ask you, how many of you have a sensitive son, do you think? 
Lots of hands. How many of you have a super rough and tumble? Lots more hands. Yeah. How many of you think maybe your kid is right kind of in the middle? Yeah. They're all over the place. That's the way God makes them. But it's so cool to be able to identify and help our kids identify that not only in themselves and in their siblings, but also in people that they meet so that they can be grace givers. Let's look at the femininity spectrum. On one end are the girly girls. They come out of the womb saying, hey, could I have one of those little bands for my little bald head and I want a pink receiving blanket and they can't wait for their fingernails to be big enough for mommy to put nail polish on them. It's going to be a little bit longer for the toenails. They just love pink and purple and sparkly and princess and twirling in their beautiful dress and all those sorts of things. But that's not the only kind of feminine there is. God also delights to make feminine girls whose femininity comes in the tomboy jockette flavor of femininity. And these are girls you know full well if you have one or you are one. You're allergic to dresses. You know, please, I want to wear my sweats or my jeans. And where's my baseball cap? And do I have to wear makeup? Please don't tell me I have to wear makeup. And I just, usually these girls are gifted athletes. Many of them are gifted natural leaders. And they're just a delight. Um, When these girls are supported in the type of femininity that God gave them, they turn up to be the most wonderful boy moms and Cub Scout leaders and teachers of boys' students. It's what a gift to the family, to the world, to the church. Let me just ask you, how many of you would see yourself as girly girls? Okay. How many of you would see yourself as tomboy jockettes? How many of you are kind of in the middle or across the spectrum? Yeah, see, like, we go all over the place with it because it delights God to make us differently. Um, just please note that just like with the boys, because there tend to be more girly girls than tomboy girls, the girly girls are the mean ones, and they are going to look down their noses at the tomboy jockettes and tell them in one way or another there's something wrong with you. And it's so important that as parents we tell our girls, there is nothing wrong with you. God made you just the way he wanted you. So uh, thinking about your children, how many of you have girly girls? Okay. How many of you have a tomboy jockettes? You know what? It's harder to find those it, when they're little because girls tend to be, have less of a, of a width in, their, in the spectrum. They're just kind of girls, uh, generic girls, until they get a little bit older. Um, what I hope that you take away from this whole gender spectrum idea is how empowering it is to identify the type of boy or the type of girl that your child is or that your, your child's friends are and support and, and endorse them and celebrate them just the way they are. That's how we get just immersed in grace and we give grace to others is by saying, let's celebrate the kind of boy you are, the kind of girl you are. And not be freaked out that our girls may be different than we are as moms, that our boys may be different than we are as moms. 
there are a lot of moms who think that their, their sons should be just like them. It doesn't work like that. Um, the other thing that I, I want to suggest that you take with you is how important it is that your little boy identify with his dad or a father figure in, in his life and that your little girl identify with you as a woman so that your little girls think, I belong in the world of women, and you want your little boys to believe, I belong in the world of men. And the best way to do that is by giving them the three A's of affection, attention, and affirmation. Um, Everybody is born with a legitimate, God-given need for these three A's. And God intends for children to receive them from their parents first, laying a foundation of a healthy sense of self, and then from their peers. Let's talk first about attention. Um, That need for attention is totally legitimate, which is why our kids will act up in order to get our attention. And if you won't give me positive attention, I'll act up to get negative attention. It all fills my tank, Mommy. So, attention, that need for attention is met by being there. Making eye contact is huge for making sure the kids know that we are there for them. We're giving them attention. Uh, Later on, you definitely want to read the book on the five love languages to find out how your child receives love. Those that feel loved through focused attention, they need you to be physically with them and look them in the eye and touch them and communicate, I am right here paying attention to you. Um, Another need, the need for attention is also met through listening. Just last night at women's Bible study at one of the the small groups, I heard a woman, a full-grown woman say, I am just now realizing I have a deep need to be heard. And I thought, yeah, you have an XY chromosome. That, you know, all women have this deep need to be heard. And that's, that's part of our need for attention. We need to be, when we're little kids, we want our parents to watch us, not multitask. I have to confess, um, both my kids did soccer. And I would always be on the sidelines Uh, talking to the other soccer moms, I missed every single assist and every goal of my sons because I was busy talking to the moms. Oh, I still feel guilty about that. If there are any do-overs in heaven, I'll, I'll be right there watching. But they never were missed by my husband because Ray didn't sit on the bleachers. He was always walking up and down the sidelines, paying 100% of attention to our sons out on the field. And when they would look over to see, did my parents see that? They always saw their dad nodding. It's like, I saw that. And that was needing their, meeting their need for attention. That need for attention is met by engaging and interacting. That means asking them questions, showing interest in what interests them. Now, the reality is that if, if our child is different than we are, we may not be interested in the things that they're interested in, in which case, you're the adult. Fake it till you make it. You can do this. <laughs> they're a kid. They can't fake it. <laughs> Did you ever hear the famous line, Daddy, watch me? 
Mommy, watch me. The reality is if we don't watch our kids when they're little, they'll go find other people to watch them. That sets them up for predators. Another part of attention is by communicating that it's okay to express their feelings and validate them. Not saying things like, oh, be quiet. We don't talk about those sorts of things. Or, that's silly. Why are you crying about that? Stop crying. Or, stop being so emotional. That's ridiculous. That's the opposite of giving them attention. We need to validate their feelings. And if anything happens and they tell you that somebody made them feel the uh uh-oh feeling, believe them. Okay, there's so many people carrying wounds um, on their souls because their parents didn't believe them when they were violated in any way and their parents didn't believe them or they minimized it. Or they indicated, well, it had to be your fault, or you must have done something to invite them. Um, One final thing I want to say about rough-and-tumble boys, for them, attention is proximity. If you're in the room with them, if dad's in the room with them, that's good enough. That's all they need. But with little sensitive boys, they need presence. They need eye contact. We call them our Starbucks boys at Living Hope. You know, have you noticed how the tables at Starbucks when you meet for coffee are very, very small? They're not big like these. Oh, no. It's only big enough for two or three people. They want to be only two to three feet away from eyeball to eyeball. And so it's about very intense presence with your sensitive sons. And daddies need to know this as well as mommies. You know, they need eyeball to eyeball contact. Um, Affection. Let's talk about the second A of affection. Kids need both physical affection and verbal affection, especially girls. Let's talk about verbal affection first. Of course, the bottom line, they need to hear over and over again, I love you. My husband has never heard the words I love you from either one of his parents. His mom is with the Lord. His dad is still here. Never once has he heard I love you or thank you. There's no reason for that. I'm so, so thrilled that by the grace of God, he became a different kind of parent than what he grew up with. And so when my husband was telling our sons about being in counseling for the father and mother wounds that he took as a child, our kids said, Dad, I'm really sorry that you grew up like that and it was so hard on you, but we have absolutely no idea what you're talking about because we feel so loved and so affirmed and so validated by you. We have no idea what that's like. I wept. (laughs) It was just, that is just the grace of God. So tell them I love you. You can't ever say, you know, nobody ever went into therapy going, my mom told me she loved me too much. (laughs) My dad told me he loved me every single day. It just got to be too much. You're never going to hear anybody say that because think of ourselves as buckets and we leak because we're sinners, we're born fallen, we're born into a fallen world and our buckets leak. And so we need fresh infusions of I love yous every day. In terms of endearment and other forms of communicating love, like, how am I so blessed to be your mama? How am I so blessed to be your dad? Things like, if I could pick anybody to be in my family, I would choose you. Those are amazing verbal affirmations and affections. And then with the physical, 
Um, boys and girls need safe and non-sexual touch. Girls especially need the protective touch of knowing that daddy is my hero. They need hugs and kisses and the, the safe touch that says, I am here for you. You belong to me. And boys need the roughhousing from dad, that physical affection from their dads that say, you belong in the world of males. Roughhousing um, also goes along with the type of aggression nurturing that daddies give their kids. There's two kinds of nurturing. Mamas give empathetic nurturing. That's because we're soft and tender, and we go, oh, I'm sorry, and we pat them, and we rub them, and we hug them. That's what, when you say nurturing, what comes to mind is mama-type nurturing. That's what we do. Daddies give a different kind of nurturing. They give aggression nurturing, because especially daddies with their sons, they need to teach them to develop a thicker skin, um, to not be a mama's boy. Have, have any of you ever seen NCIS? Okay, Agent Gibbs has an aggression form of nurturing of the males on his team. What does he do? Head slap. If you've never seen the show, you have a treat waiting for you when you do see it. But at any rate, he, he slaps the guys on his team, and they love it. He's got women on his team. He never slaps them. He brings them calf pow and, and, other, and he hugs them and he gives them kisses on their forehead and he's very tender with them. But boys need a little bit of that rough uh, nurturing from their dad so that they know they belong in the world of males. And then the third A is affirmation. And this is about validating people's feelings and their efforts and their skills and their giftings. We affirm people, and our kids especially, when we notice and comment when they do things right, even if they're just trying. I saw you were trying so hard. It didn't matter what the end result is. I saw you try so hard. I'm so proud of you. The one-minute manager suggests um, in the business world that those in leadership watch for, to catch people doing something right and then tell them about it. That needs to be on our front burner agenda as parents every day. Look for the smallest things that our kids do right and affirm them for it. The bottom line that a little boy needs to hear from his dad, this is coming from Ricky Shillette, who's the executive director of Living Hope, is you're good enough, you're strong enough, and you have what it takes to be a man. Can you imagine, even if you have a four-year-old son, what it would mean to his little heart to hear daddy say, you're good enough, you're strong enough, and you have what it takes? Oh my goodness, how that is a tank filler. Um, it communicates, I am for you, and I believe in you. Daddies can affirm to their daughters that they're so glad they're a girl. When, when a little girl hears from her dad, I love that God made you a girl. What that instantly says is being a girl is a good thing. And here's the bottom line of what I, I'm trying to share with you this morning. We want emotionally healthy kids where boys are glad that God made them a boy and girls are glad that God made them a girl. 
that's the bottom line. If somebody can just nestle into the contentment with the gender that God chose for them, they're not going to struggle with gender identity or a lot of other stuff later on. So we want both parents to communicate to both genders of kids, I'm so glad God made you just the way he did. A dad needs to communicate to his daughter that she's charming and alluring and most of all, beautiful. Girls need to hear from their daddies that they're beautiful. You may have noticed and you may have experienced that if a mom tells her daughter she's beautiful, that's nice. If her aunt tells her she's beautiful, that's nice. If a teacher tells her she's beautiful, that's nice. But when does she really believe it? When she hears it from her daddy. Um, And so we need to communicate affirmation for the gender that God shows for our kids. Um, On your handout, I gave you, I really wanted you to take home the, um, the slides because that's the essence of what I wanted to communicate, a place to jot down some things about the three A's. But on the other side, I want you to know that Ricky Shillette, as I mentioned, the executive director of Living Hope, has spent years investigating and um, teaching what moms and dads need to do to help their kids be gender healthy. He's got a, a very specific set of suggestions that I wanted to give you that I'm not going to go into. I just wanted you to have that in your hands. So what I would like you to do now as we go to table time is talk about where, where are you on the spectrum, where are your kids on the spectrum, and would this, what, what, what you just heard, will that make any difference in how you parent? Okay, <laughs> ladies, we have some fantastic questions that you texted in. And so I want to make sure we get to as many as possible. Knowing that we have about 25 minutes, I guarantee you we're not going to. And so know that the beauty of a text in question is I can text you back an answer. And so if okay. we don't get to your question today, my intention is to get you an answer in the coming time. I'm not going to guarantee you when, but eventually. I, like okay? that. Uh, I can't guarantee when. <laughs> can't guarantee when. In the coming time. Um, but I will. So with that, we're going to get this party started up in here. First of all, can, was that just not amazing? Right? So good. Um, so good. Thank you all for imparting wisdom. Any advice on that feedback situation? Any advice? No? Just keep moving away. I'm like, oh, hey, that's the first um, announcement. Somebody left this. We found it. If it's yours, come and get it. Um, right up here. Um, second announcement, really quick. Um, Pam referenced um, Recharge. Is it a women's event we have here at our church? It's on January. It was on January 20th. She referenced that audio. I didn't list it on your resources. Yes, However, if you go on your resource guide here, it says um, audio resources www.watermark.org/media. If once you're there, you go to women's Bible study. Under that tab, you're going to find an audio file called Recharge with the date January 20th, and it'll have a dash Nixon, because it was Callie Nixon's audio file. That's what she referenced. So if you want to go find that, that's where it's at. 
And Mandy's posting on Facebook with a baby on her hip. Um, Because that's how we roll, mamas. Okay, so let's get get going here. So first question, Pam, this is for you. When you're using age-appropriate or when you're using appropriate body part words, you know, let's say in penis, vagina, testicles, I got them all. Um, When you're using those words, um, what do you do when your kid, four or five-ish, thinks it's really funny just to use them all the time in other settings? How do you handle that? Um, So it is funny. I mean, you can laugh. They're kind of funny. Testicles is a funny word, and they're kind of the whole thing's funny, right? Um, And you could even say with your boy, yeah, they are. it looks kind of funny. It is, but um, God created those, and I think... I think you just go back to the, um, it's just, it's a private part. So God created those and yes, you have those and it's great that that's what makes you a boy and girls don't have those. And so that they're different and God created boys and girls differently, but because it's private and it's in an area that your clothes cover, we don't talk about it in public. You can talk to mom and dad about it and ask questions and it's kind of funny to giggle about it, but we just want to keep private things private. It's not bad, but we just want to keep private things private. That's perfect. And I would add to that. I would say as they're transitioning to that year, they go to kindergarten and they're in a public setting. You know, my kid, I didn't tell him this, so he's talked about his penis to his teacher because it was bothering him. Um, and she was like shocked because she didn't have kids and didn't know kids knew what that was. It was a wee wee to her, right? And so I had to teach him, hey, like we call those private parts. And, and so you might want to do that before they go off to kindergarten. Just saying. Just saying. Um, okay. Um, blah, 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 blah. Let's go here to Sue. Um, Sue, so um, one of the questions came in for you. I have a do- an aunt who is gay, and my daughter is two and a half years old. Any advice or suggestions on how to address this ongoing issue with a close family member? I'm assuming they might see her on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you don't bring it up. Um, there's no reason to bring it up. <clears throat> this is a private adult thing, and um, you, you really want your little girl to know how much you love her aunt so that she's got that, that foundation laid, so that later on, hopefully many years down the road, when she finds out that there's something different about her aunt, it will come into the context of, um, but we love her so much. So you, there is no reason to bring up homosexuality to kids. Uh, you respond if they bring it up, because they've heard about it at some point. And you know, what does that mean? You know, uh, Well, it means that Girls like girls the way that God intends for girls to like boys and vice versa. And so, and you just, it's like dealing with sex, you know, you just give them just as much as they need to know and no more. That's great. Um, um, by the way, I, I'm pretty sure that I spoke on LGBT issues yeah. for the next, sometime, last year, year before, something like that. Okay. So. You know, you might want to check that out. Nest Audio online. Plug for that. Okay? Great. Great. And then whoever asked that question, if you have more specific things, I guarantee you Sue would love to talk to you. And her email address is on her handout if you want to reach out to her or her website. Is it your website or email address? It'll both Sue Bowen dot something. Oh, and mine's not on there. I'm happy to reach out. If anybody has any questions. Is mine on there? there. What's your? No, it's It's just pam.mcgee at gmail. Do that. Okay. Um, Next question. What do you say when your kids are exploring their genitals in the bathtub and they're lingering there a little bit longer than they should? Um, I've got thoughts, Allison. I think, are you right in the middle of that? Did you have an I'm interesting right bath time last night? I would love for you <laughs> to answer it first, and then I will color commentary. Um, 
so it's again, it's back to that. I mean, I think you can just go, yeah, that's pretty crazy that your penis can like go in and back out. That's yeah. I mean, that, yeah, that is crazy. You can acknowledge that. Like, um, yeah, that that's funny. Yeah, whatever else. Um, I just told her that story. Because I think you don't, last night you don't, that yeah, happened. Exactly. Yeah. My five-year-old was like, oh look, you know, and, you know, he was just playing with it because yeah. it does interesting things. And, um, and so how I handle that, as she said, she tried to make me do it and then I made her and now I'll come back. I just said, oh yeah, you found your penis, huh? Isn't that interesting how it does that? And you know, he's still, yeah, mommy, look what I'm like, God. And I just kind of redirect. And then it's like, hey, let's get in the bathtub and wash. Can I help? You know, like I just redirect mm-hmm. and we just point out, yeah, it's your penis and yeah, it's cool. And God created you so uniquely, right? How cool is that? And so that's how I address it. But when there's more lingering that has also happened in our family, um, I tend to, again, just say, I'm looking at my notes, isn't it God created with how he created our bodies? Redirect. And if they continue to go back and explore, I use the language with my kids. I'm like, I know, if I'm noticing, I'm like, hey, do you have any questions about your vagina or whatever it is they're touching? Do you have any questions about it or any, anything you want to ask mommy? And sometimes they're like, no, no, and they move on. Or sometimes she's like, yeah, why is... Something, you know, there that she's touching. What is that? And then I, I use the words, y'all. Yeah. It's a labia, you know, and that's interesting. And I go there, and it's just normal. I'm, I'm pitting out, but she doesn't know that. Like, she doesn't know that, right? And so that happens. And then if it continues, I do say, let's be careful with not touching it too much because we, we want to keep our private areas healthy. And so I use word. that language because, honestly, in a bathtub, there's bacteria in the water. There's gross, you know, you're cleaning. And so you can get a, a UTI. You can get an right. infection, right? And so I just use the words, like, let's not be careful not to touch it too much because we want to keep it healthy yeah. and leave it at that. And if they ask questions about that, then I answer the question that they ask me with as much poise as possible, and then later I like, <laughs> you know, do that. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. Anything so, cause, yeah, I mean, Because, again, you want them when they're 8 or 9 or uh, 10, 11 to ask that question. Hey, is there anything you want to ask mom? And they, yeah, why when it, it does feel good when I do that. Why can't, why can't I do that? It feels good. Why can't I do that? Um, why so is that great. not okay? And so you want to have that foundation so that you can answer that question. Next question, uh, Pam, how do you address teaching older kids age-appropriate sex education while not exposing younger siblings too soon? Yeah, that's a great question. Did you hear that? Yeah. The whole audience wants that one. Yeah, and so, um, yeah, you do. So a a thing that I didn't say is that you're being wise about your kids, and so your kids are hanging out with other six-year-olds, and they're going over to their house, but that six-year-old has a 12-year-old brother, so you're really, your kid's hanging out with a 12-year-old. So just the the wisdom part of older siblings in there, and um, so just be thoughtful of that. Um, And there's a real pithy statement on that somewhere, and I couldn't find it. Just basically your kid's friends, or the, I don't know what it is, but basically it's that, yeah. Um, And so in that... um, yeah, I think there's a play. I mean, you just, as you're talking to your older kids about it, you just say, hey, this is something that mom and dad are teaching you. And so if your younger brother comes and asks you these things, um, hey, just point them to mom and dad. Yeah. And then there may be a place. So, you know, what's really sweet right now. So Dawson's 18, Hudson's 14. Um, and we've talked, there's a place for Dawson. Still, we're, his, we're Hudson's first. John especially is his first question person. But um, we've just told Dawson, hey, there's some wisdom that you've learned and there's some experiences you've had. And um, I mean, there's some things we trust you to talk to your brother about. And so, you know, if he asks you these questions, I think it's great to do that. Just because we've laid that foundation with Dawson, we trust what he would say. um, But we still um, 
and then, hey, but Dawson, you can point them back to us. And, hey, definitely, if you all have a conversation, if you'd follow up with us and let us know kind of what you talked about. That's um, great. So, um, to yeah. add to that, just because I have a nine and a nine-year-old boy and a five-year-old boy, mm-hmm. nine-year-old boy, seven-year-old girl, five-year-old yeah. boy. And so um, what that looks like, because I've been around the nest for 10 years and implementing these things that you all heard today for all this time. And we have created an environment in our home where my kids come home and they ask questions. And it's in front of Parker. My nine-year-old yep. comes home and asks a question in front of his sister yep. about his balls, you know. <laughs> and so she's there. She hears it. And so what I've learned to do is do, like, that's a great question. I'm so glad you asked as my stall tactic. And if I don't know the answer and I don't have something quick and short that's age-appropriate for all the yep. ears in the room... I go, hey, can we talk about that later tonight? Or maybe you should talk about that with daddy tonight. Or, hey, let's table that for later tonight. And I'll, I'll redirect and say, I love the question. I want to give you an answer. Usually it's because I either don't know what to say or how to handle it. Or if I can, I give an age-appropriate response for everyone. And then I said, hey, let's talk more about that later, though, because I have more to share with you that I think you'd be interested in hearing. And so I kind of give them what they want by also redirecting if that helps. That's great. That's great. Um, And then on that same note, there was a question here. Yes, so what about families that have all girls? How do you explain boy parts to a family that has all girls? Like how did you go about or how would you suggest going about doing that? Or all boys and girls? Yeah, that's a, okay, that's a great question. Because I'm just yeah. thinking, because in ours it was natural. Because <laughs> we've got, she's got brothers. I mean, they've got yeah. brothers and they're seeing that. Um, but I think just appropriately, God designed boys and girls differently. And some of those books, like those God's Design for Sex books, like they, um, you know, they've just got real, you know, high level views and then they kind of get more detailed. And I mean, our girls need to know that boys are different and they're going to see, I mean, I remember seeing, I vividly remember seeing a picture of, the David statue or something like, you know, in late elementary yeah. and going, oh, that's what all that looks like down there, you know? Um, yeah. And one so... One of the, the, in your books that she recommended, a God's Design series, and then also in your handout, there's one called God Made Your Body mm-hmm. and God Made All of Me, um, How God Makes Babies. All of those have um, drawings of age-appropriate uh, bodies and what they look like. So I'd go, I'd, that's where I would start if you have a family of all one gender. I would get those books out and show them and just start talking about it. Yeah. And then I think further down the road, that Passport to Purity resource is really great. So, mm-hmm. Mom, you go away with your girls. Um, you kind of talk through all these things. There's a part in there that's specific for boys, specific for girls. But then you come home, and if you kind of follow the plan, it, the dad would kind of circle back up. Hey, how was your weekend? Let's talk about you know kind of what you learned. And then, hey, as your dad, I want to tell you a little bit about what, what junior high boys are thinking right now. The crazy part, the scary part. Mm-hmm. You should be scared, and you should be like at the same time. But they're great. They're just little boys. And so just um, appropriately so. And then me with, you know, when the boys came home from hanging out with John for the weekend, hey, here's junior high girls. They just like, you may just be their buddy, but they're like their hearts fluttering and they think that you're like them, you know? And so just kind of putting that viewpoint, I mean, you, you, they're going to hear about it. You want them to hear from you. Um, and then if it's, so if it's just all girls, they're not exposed to it as quickly, but they mm-hmm. still need to hear it. That's great. Back to you. You got to be the authority. Go back to books. Anything else? <laughs> Um, okay, Sue, so this is for you. So an older sister with a younger brother, little brother loves playing dress up with older sister, dresses, tiaras, all of it. Um, how do you handle that um, in the home? And then this, specifically the question says, we let our son dress up with sister at home, but not in public. Is that wise or are we squashing his spirit of creativity? Way to go, mom. Well done. Yes, it's totally fine. Pl- dress up is it's fantasy, you know, and 
kids also need to learn the difference between make-believe and reality. And so it's our job as parents to say, you know, this is kind of fun and it's dress-up and it's make-believe, but in reality, out there, outside of our house, boys dress like boys and girls dress like girls. Um, And the thing is, since there's a unisex, you know, play clothes or unisex, but the Bible does make a distinction um, that, that women, you know, females are to dress as females and males are to dress as males so that when you're out there in the world, you can instantly tell if somebody's male or female. That is, that's where the line is. Um, what I would do if, if somebody has, uh, if a little boy is willing to play with tiaras and dress up and all that stuff, you go, you know, affirm him for playing so well with his sisters mm-hmm. and go, you know, but, you know, tiaras are actually just for girls. And I'm so glad God made you a boy. I wonder if we could find a king's crown for you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know, and redirect mm-hmm. so that it's just kind of you want to affirm the gender he's got. Because mm-hmm. um, the question is not, you know, is, is there something wrong with my kid because he's wearing a tiara and he's got a magic wand? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's affirming um, who he is. And what is his heart looking for? Yeah, it's pretty cool to wear a tiara, let me just tell you. Um, I'm God's party girl. On Wednesday, I turned 65. It was my birthday. Happy Happy birthday. birthday. Thank you. And um, I got to teach women's Bible study in Plano. And they gave me a brand new tiara. And I wore it the whole morning, you know. So, And then it was sparkly. And my motto is, if it don't shine, it ain't mine. So, you know, (laughs) right in my glory. (laughs) So good. Okay, another question. This has come up several times. Um, How do you explain to children that are young, five or six, when you've not addressed homosexuality yet, they're five or six, Mm -hmm. and they do are around a family with two mommies or two daddies, like what would your language be when you explain that and your child does notice it? Susie has two daddies in my kindergarten class. Like, mm-hmm. how, would you, how would you explain that? Well, Either the thing we don't want to do is normalize it and just say, yeah, some families just have two daddies and they have two mommies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do, but that's not God's plan. And so what we don't want to do is endorse it by normalizing it and say, you know, well, that, that is what happens in this family. That's not God's plan for mommies and daddies, for men and women. And um, there are going to be some some heart hurts to Susie or Johnny or whatever because they're missing a mom or they're missing a dad. Um, and, you know, be kind, but don't present it as just, that's just the way things are. It's okay. Yeah. The language that's happened in our home, um, I have two kids in public school and how I've handled it. I've just said, yeah, by God's best and God's hope and God's delight would be his plan for us is, a daddy and a mommy, a husband and a wife, a male and a female would be husband and wife and have a family. That's God's plan and it's what's best for us. So that's the language I use. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I coach my kid um, to not repeat that because um, that little kid, you have to remember, was brought into that family not by their choice, okay. right? And so just coach your kid. But that's a conversation for us to have together. And all we can do now is we're going to love on Susie or whoever it is and get to know them as our friend and be friendly, right? So we use that language with our kid. Yeah, and I think like Sue just talked about going back to 
their heart. Like anytime someone doesn't follow God's plan, whether it's marry, you know, two daddies marrying or I'm gossiping about my friend, that um, is not okay, but we want it. God meets that with grace. And so just back to that whole, they're not following God's plan, you know, and if the conversation still goes, but there's times you don't follow God's plan. And how do you want God and other people to relate to you that you want? He loves you no matter what. He loves those two daddies. That's not his best for them. It's not his best for you when you gossip or when you're mean, but God still meets you with grace and still loves you. So even back to their heart. Ellis, I just want to affirm how important it is. The part you shared about we don't have this conversation. You should not have this conversation with the other child because there's no way that this is going to be good news to them. And, and it's, it's going to make their heart hurt. And there's no reason to say things that it's going to hurt somebody's heart when we can avoid it. Yeah. So thank That's you good. for bringing that, that up. Good? Okay. Did I say that I was okay? okay yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I'm like, did I do something wrong? No. Okay. Love no, it. you're good. Um, okay. We have time for one last question. And I feel like it's probably the one that many of us, I have too, now that I see it. So when you're talking to young children and you're trying to teach obedience and respect of authority, right? But then how do you teach that while also teaching them if that authority is, is not, um, is misusing their authority in a predator type situation? Like how do you help young children differentiate? We have to obey and respect authority, but also if that authority is abusing that relationship, right? Taking advantage of you, speak up, like how, any tips on how you would handle that? I mean, I'm going back to JP's sermon on Sunday. If you go um, to Watermark or have had a so chance good. to hear that, it's just you obey your God-given authority unless what they're asking you to do you go. goes against God's plan or goes against God's authority. And so how you kind of condemn that down for your kid or just talk that in a five- or six-year-old language is we always obey and honor our authority, but if they're doing something that God did not plan for them to do that that's that's a sin you can call it that i mean if they're that uh-oh touching feeling you in your or tummy. that oh feeling in your tummy um, then that is okay. That's not disobeying the authority. That's okay to call mommy. That's okay to go get help. That's okay to leave and just giving them that freedom. And then as they get older, you can give them the more adult verbiage of in the workplace. If you got someone, I mean, you or any of those things, um, not necessarily so even sexual, even in the job or whatever. But um, I just yeah. want to say that using that uh oh feeling yeah. in your tummy mm-hmm. is one of that is a power tool yeah. for parenting, y'all. And I didn't even hear about this till a few years ago. And I wish I'd had it when my kids were little because it instantly communicates the danger that you want your children to recognize. And I just, let me just tell you as somebody who's been on this planet longer than y'all, that is, that is such a good, good, good thing to know. And it's a tool to put in your kids' pockets as well. It's really good. good. Guys, I'm sad to say, but we really need to wrap up. There's more questions flying in, and we're going to do our best to get you some answers to them. Um, In the meantime, as we break here, um, know that some of the resources that are referenced are on a table out front if you want to grab a picture of it or just make sure you have the right one. Also, everything's listed on your handout you have there, and so be sure to get those if you want. Specifically, there's a lot of questions coming in about this whole predator topic and how to handle it. I'd really get that no no trespassing book if I were you. Um, Thanks so much for your time today. Thanks for um, being here, and we will see you next month.